Hey, let's start by thanking this team, this choir, these musicians. Man, what a great time of worship together. Well, welcome to Fellowship. Welcome to Fayetteville. Hey, my name's Michael. We're so glad y'all are here to worship with us this morning. You can feel it, right? You can feel this time of year. The rhythm of this time of the year, things are starting to change. It's summer's winding down. The kids are back in school. High school football started this weekend. Our college students are back in town. So glad to have our college students with us. The hogs will kick it off next Saturday. Yeah, and part of the rhythm of this time of the year around here is the Mission Vision teaching series. Almost every fall, we set aside some time to remind ourselves what we're trying to accomplish here, what we're doing, and why, why we wanna do those things. And so, this is the third of three weeks in the Mission Vision teaching series. Of course, Clark kicked us off a couple of weeks ago, reminding us what is the mission of fellowship. And it's to produce and release spiritual leaders who know and express the authentic Christ to Northwest Arkansas and the world. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to release followers of Jesus who know him and are following him and are equipped to help other people do the same. And so Clark talked to us about the first of these three statements. We make disciples together. And Clark told us, to make a disciple, you gotta know what you're trying to make. And to know what a disciple is, you've gotta be a disciple. And so we're a group of people here who wanna follow Jesus more closely and in the process, help other people do the same thing. We wanna be makers of disciple makers. And then last week, if you were here, Garland talked to us about worship, and he showed us from John chapter four, as he talked about we worship together, that we worship in spirit and in truth. And Garland talked us through how the way we approach God matters. And it matters not just in this 65 minutes a week that we gather in here on Sunday morning, but because as followers of Jesus, we're indwelled by the Holy Spirit, we become the temple, the place where God dwells. And so every part of our life becomes an act of worship and everything we do matters. And so here we are, the third week. We make disciples together. We worship together. Today we're gonna talk about the fact that we gather together. And when we talk about this gathering, what we're talking about is Christ-centered community. So every week that I'm up here, I say the same thing. Hey, my name's Michael and I serve on the community team. But I've never told you what or who that community team is. So I thought today, I'd start off by telling you the who. Here we are, this Fellowship Fable is your community team. You all know Garland there uh, on your left. He was our college team leader from the day we opened Fellowship Fayetteville until July 1st. He's passed that role off to Josh Barnard, who's doing a great job with our college team. And Garland's joined our team. So he's on the community team now, working with adults. We're gonna try to get him to become an adult in the process. Next to Garland is Ann Defani. You've probably seen Ann up here singing. She's got an incredible singing voice, but she's also got a real gift for connecting with young women across the table. And so Ann is on the community team. She's responsible primarily for younger women. Then we got yours truly, taking up more than his share of the middle. Then we got Margot. 
Margot has been our women's team leader from day one here at Fellowship Fayetteville, and she's been part of the community team from day one. And so this women's fair that's taking place in the foyer, that's Margot's team executing all that, and she's responsible for women in small groups and discipleship in community. And for those of you who know Margot, or maybe even if you don't, your heart goes out to her as I tell you, she's under the weather today. So maybe just offer up a quick prayer for Margot for a full and quick recovery. And then on the end is Dave. You all know Dave because he's been our worship leader for several years. He's been the worship team leader. He's passed that off to Ryan Burton, who's doing an amazing job with the worship team. And Dave has come on our team working primarily with young men in adult community. Dave's gonna join me up here in just a few minutes and we're gonna talk through some of the things that we have coming up. So that's our community team. What is this team trying to accomplish? We are trying to help people get connected in Christ-centered community, which brings up the next question, what is that? So I'm gonna take a, a page from Garland's book. Garland loves to quote smart people. I'm gonna quote some smart people about what community is and why it's important. Our church from the beginning has been a celebration cell church. To put that in simple language, that means large group, small group. Now that you know that, if you haven't heard that before, you'll start to see it all over. All of our ministries, we have a large group component. So for our adult ministry, this is our large group. This is our celebration. We gather here on Sunday to worship and to be equipped and encouraged. And then we have a cell component or a small group component. And so for adult community ministry, Community groups are our primary small group uh, opportunity. And so that part of it, the small group, the cell, that is important. Here's those quotes I was mentioning. Henry Nouwen said this, Christian community is the place where we keep the flame of hope alive among us and take it seriously so that it can grow and become stronger in us. So that's one of the things that happens in community is that flame for the Lord is fanned. We're strengthened in our walk. So it has an internal felt need component. But that's not all. Look at what Francis Schaeffer said about it. He said, our relationship with each other is the criterion the world uses to judge whether our message is truthful. Christian community is the final apologetic. So there's an outward component the watching world sees how we do community with each other as we gather in these Christ-centered small groups. Jesus himself said, they will know you are my disciples by your what? Love. They will know you're my disciples by your love. We accomplish that best in the context of small groups. But it's also part of our overall ministry strategy. Look what Ed Stetzer said. Community is essential when it comes to successfully living out the Christian walk in a day-to-day -day context. So, Ed Stetzer says, the math is simple. More community equals more disciples. Clark taught us, we make disciples together. It happens in the context of Christ-centered community. And so, here at Fellowship, we would say unapologetically that Christ-centered community is essential to a healthy Christian life. And so this morning, we're gonna spend a few minutes 
looking at what the writer to the Hebrews says about it. And then near the end of our time together in the teaching portion of our service, I'm going to tell you how you could get connected with Christ-centered community right here at this church. So turn with me to the book of Hebrews. It's near the end of your Bible. Actually, if you go to, to Revelation and just turn back toward the front a few pages, you'll find yourself in Hebrews pretty quickly. If you've been with us for a little while, you'll remember last summer we studied the book of Hebrews. And we determined that what the author of the Hebrews was saying, and of course we don't know for sure who wrote it, but, but what the author was saying sounds something like this. Because Jesus is better, don't give up. Jesus is better than any other option you have, so don't quit. Because back then, just like now, every believer is tempted to say, following Jesus is too hard. I'm gonna go back to what I was doing before I started this Christianity thing. Or I'm just gonna go along with what the culture is saying because standing against it is just too difficult. And the writer of the Hebrews has said, by the time we get to this part of the passage, for nine and a half chapters, Jesus is better. Jesus is better. Don't give up. And then in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, he kind of turns the corner and he says, therefore. Now remember, Anytime we see the word therefore in our Bible study, that's important. It means he's going to tell us the logical conclusion or the logical thought that flows from what he's just said. Look at it with me. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he's opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, it's a setup, right? Therefore, because of these things. When he says brothers, the Greek word is siblings. It means brothers and sisters. Therefore, brothers and sisters, because Jesus lived the perfect life, because he died a sacrificial death for us, because he mediates a better covenant, because he's a better high priest, here's what we should do. Here's how we should respond. He's gonna give us three encouraging exhortations of what we should do. The first one is, let us draw near. The implied statement is draw near to God. Let us draw near to God. Because Jesus has opened a way, let's take advantage of it. Jesus has opened the door to the throne room of heaven, so let's boldly go in there, the writer to the Hebrews says. Let's boldly approach God our Father because of what Jesus has accomplished. And then he says, let us hold fast. Let us hold on tightly to what? To the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. Let's hold on to that gospel message, that hope of eternal life that's based on nothing except Jesus' death and resurrection. We can hold it tightly because of the one who makes the promise, because it's God who makes the promise. He's faithful and that gives us confidence. And then there's a third one. Now in this context, we probably think it's gonna be a big exhortation, right? Let us draw near. Let us hold fast. What'll come next? Let us contend for the kingdom. Let us take ground for the Lord. No, he actually goes the other way. He says, let us consider. Let us reflect. In the original language, it means let us think deeply and give some careful attention to what? 
Well, that's what we're going to spend the rest of our time this morning looking at. So I want to invite Dave to come on up. As I mentioned, Dave's on our community team now, and I invited Dave to join me this morning because he's been spending some time in Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. We've been talking about it. Glad to have you, Dave. Glad you're here. Dave's actually writing a curriculum on this passage that we're going to use with some groups we're going to launch a little bit later on. But I thought this morning we'd just talk about it a little bit together, and, and you can share some of the insights the Lord's given you. So Dave, I'm going to read the passage for us, and then we'll talk about it. The writer says this, let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So Dave, what, what jumps off the page at you as you look at this passage? Yeah, there's, there's actually a lot. First, I want to say, can we give the choir a round of applause real quick this morning? <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know if y'all know this, but they, that was all volunteers on stage, and they get here on Wednesday nights and run through stuff, and then early on Sundays, and I know that we're so blessed with the volunteers that we have. But anyway, back to what we're here to talk about. Um, Hebrews 10, yeah. Um, as, it's actually funny. I was, I was having uh, coffee with a young adult probably a month and a half ago, and we, look, we turned to this, this, uh, these two verses and just began to talk about it and brainstorm. And these, kind of these, these five principles just kind of jumped off the page. Uh, five principles for a healthy small group, but also just, just for a healthy follower of Christ. And um, I'm just gonna walk through it and I'm gonna kind of tell you a little bit about what, what our small group does with these things. And Michael might share a couple of things too. And really the point of this is to help you consider in the group that I'm in, what would it look like to do these things? And so uh, the first one, let us hold uh, and let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. The first one is to challenge, challenge, the word challenge. Um, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of insight on what our group does to challenge each other. So our group, we, uh, we've had six kids within the last year. So our, our small group looks a lot different than it did before. And the way that we do this is the first 45 minutes we gather together and we're tackling the passage that we taught on Sunday morning. And then we'll split up and it rotates every other week. Uh, one, either the husbands will take the kids or the wives will take the kids and the others will split up. And really what we're doing is we're going around and asking each other, um, how are you doing? And where can I step in and challenge you to grow in your relationship with the Lord this week? Challenge, it's super important. I don't know if you've ever spent some time trying to fight sin in your life. Can I give you some insight? It's impossible to do it alone. Hmm. You were never meant to fight sin alone. It's impossible to fight sin alone. And so a, a, a healthy um, rhythm is, is challenging each other in our groups. I know a verse that we talk about often that's super familiar if you grew up in the church. Proverbs 27, 17, it says, iron sharpens iron. And so one man sharpens another. Um, how, how dependent we actually are on each other for this. So that's the first one, challenge. And let's consider how to stir one another up to what? To love and good works. The word that stuck out there was the word serve. I was having lunch. This is probably, uh, this is at the beginning of 2020. Great year. Um, <laughs> I'm having lunch with, uh, with actually a guy that I, I work with, and I was, just, I was just complaining to him. I was like, why, why isn't the church doing this? Why isn't the church doing this? And yes, even though I'm on staff at a church, I have frustrations with the church. Um, and I was sharing this with him, and he looks at me and goes, you are the church. Go do it. Instead of complaining, go do it. 
Can I, can I give you a secret? Our, our, our vision for how to reach Fayetteville is actually you sitting in this room. And uh, we can't do that without, without serving together. And I want you to think collectively whenever we think of the word serve. What would it look like for a small group to come around and serve together? I think uh, if you put it in two different buckets, think in the building and then in the city. Uh, first, in the building. I'm just gonna throw a couple suggestions out there. What would it look like for your small group to uh, once a month help with our parking in the parking lot? Every single, every single week we have people come here and they, they need to be welcomed with a smile on their face, help them find a parking spot. I know we talk about that often. Um, the parking lot to the foyer, that's such an important part. What if your uh, small group served communion once, once a month whenever we do communion? We always have volunteer teams that are passing out communion. What if your small group was like, hey, once a month we would love to serve in that capacity? What if your small group got here every Sunday morning at 8.30 and just sat in this room and prayed for the room? How different in a year would this, would this room feel? What kind of people would the Lord bring to your heart? Maybe when you walked in the room, you'd be going, who can I go out of my way to say hi to and introduce myself to? Because I've been praying that the Lord would use this room. I can go on and on about different ways that people can serve in the building. Um, Let's think about our city for a second. Let me ask you this. Is the way to reach Fayetteville get more people in here or for us to be sent out into the city? What do you think? To be sent out, right? And so, what would it look like to, for your group collectively to serve in our city? We have so many opportunities. New beginnings. They're looking for people once a month, a group to come and make dinner uh, for, for the, the homeless community in South Fayetteville. Potter's House. What a great partner we have with Potter's House. What would it look like to serve there? Um, Samaritan Community Center. You got, um, I already said Potter's House. There's so many different um, areas of need in our city, and what if as small groups we came around some of those organizations and said, we'll give up some of our time and we'll help. Furniture Friends, um, that's, that's a huge one as, as well. And then Gather, this is kind of the main thing of today. We already talked about how we gather um, collectively on a Sunday, but we also gather in homes. And like I said earlier, the way to reach Fayetteville is to um, gather in homes. And Michael, we've said this many times that small groups are what make a large church feel small. That's right. Um, this can be pretty intimidating. I'm actually an introvert, so this is actually terrifying for me, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> You're not supposed and, to tell them that. Yeah, it's a secret. Um, I often think if, if I didn't grow up at this church, if I walked in, what would be my first impression? I would feel very scared. This place can be very intimidating. There's a lot of people. And uh, I know that small groups have been a place that it can make a large church feel really small. I know that I've seen that. Um, when it comes to gathering, what if this semester you showed up to every single community group meeting you had? What if? What if that was the priority? What if baseball and golf and maybe a tournament or whatever it may be didn't get in the way of Christ-centered community for you this semester? What would that look like? How would that change not only yourself, but, but the group that you're, you're a part of? It's just Something to think about. Yeah. Um, and then the next one, it says, and not neglecting to meet together, that's gathered as the habit of some, but encouraging one another. So encouragement. What does encouragement look like in your group? If, if you think about challenge and encouragement, I've often, I've often kind of viewed it this way into uh, two different buckets. Um, if you're only ever challenging and you're never encouraging, 
man, you're just gonna feel shame. You're just gonna feel beat up all the time. You're always gonna feel like you're just living so uh, not up to the line, and you're always gonna feel less than. And then on the other hand, if you're only ever encouraging and you're never challenging, you, you may just kind of stay stagnant. And so what it look like for a group to come alongside and go, hey, we're gonna encourage, and we're also gonna challenge. I know, I know for me, um, I've noticed that whenever you look somebody in the face and encourage them with a very specific thing, not only does it encourage them, but it encourages you. Um, and I don't know, I found that the times that I try to do that, I have to remind myself of my identity in Christ even more because uh, it can kind of feel a little bit uncomfortable looking at somebody in the face and go, hey, I see this in you and you're really good at this. And so um, I just, it makes me think, what if that was a part of what our small groups uh, did together is just encourage. And then the last one, um, all the more, all the more, as you see the day drawing near, there's this idea of urgency. And um, there's a saying that everybody's responsibility becomes nobody's responsibility. Hmm. If everybody just assumes the next person's gonna do it, nothing's ever gonna get done. And so um, urgency would be the last. And th- those five things that I would challenge you as, as a small groups begin to kick off and as you meet, what if that's what your first meeting looked like? Because how can we apply these five principles to our small group? And I know we talked earlier about urgency, Michael. Yeah. Um, some stories there. Yeah, I appreciate that, Dave. As we were, as Dave and I were kind of just, we actually sit next to each other in the office, which is really fun. Um, as we were processing the passage, I shared with Dave, um, the Lord had people moving in around Lee and I where we used to live. And during the pandemic, we had a street church, as many of you did. We were inviting people to come sit in our yard and, and study the Bible together. And we started building some relationships just as the Lord led us to move. And so we've moved out of that neighborhood. And, and I look back and I think, man, I should have had more urgency while those people were around me. So when we moved to our new house, what's the first thing we did? We reached out to our, our near neighbors and said, we're gonna have a community group. We'd love for you to come. We felt that urgency. And I think this passage points us to the fact that a day is coming when all of this is gonna be over and we will have no more opportunity to invite people in. You know, there's a, there's a book called The One Thing You Can't Do in Heaven. It's about evangelism. There'll be no evangelism in heaven. That work will be behind us. And so let's all feel a sense of urgency that, that now is actually the time for us to be in community, both for our own spiritual health and for the people around us that we might invite in. And so, Dave, I thought we'd just take a minute here. I brought the books up. We just wanna take a minute and tell you what some of the opportunities are that are in front of you so you can think through this for yourself. Community groups are gonna start the week of September 11th. I know some of us are starting a little early. My group's starting a little early. We wanna get together, but, but the official start is two weeks from today. And then get this, the week of November 13th, they'll end. I know sometimes it's been vague and it's felt like we're asking you to just get in a community group and hang in there till the Lord comes back. We're actually saying, give us 11 weeks, 11 weeks to really study some of these things we're talking about and then we'll take a break and you can prayerfully decide if you wanna rejoin that group. Maybe that group needs to do something different. Um, Just think about your fall. Like Dave said, could you make this a priority just for the fall, just until the week before Thanksgiving, starting two weeks from today? And so a great place to get started would be Discover Fellowship. This is a great first step into what Fellowship Fayetteville is all about. We'll have a couple of large groups in the classroom over here that'll start on the 11th, and then we'll transfer to our small groups that'll meet on Sunday evenings here at the church. We have childcare for those groups. We would love for you to be part 
Maybe this is your first small group, Discover Fellowship. It's a great first step. And at the end of Discover Fellowship, if the Lord leads you to join the church, you'd be able to do that. Uh, but we have some other studies yep. here, Dave, including the big one. Yeah, Ephesians. Um, I was looking, I was flipping through this book the other day, and it has done so, so, so well. Um, I'm super excited about Ephesians. Garland mentioned this last week, but we, we typically think four weeks out in our planning. And so in our Monday morning meetings, we've already gotten to dive into the first chapter and a half and just begin to form the services around it. This Ephesians study is gonna be incredible. And our media team, uh, they do such a good job. Do they not? I mean, yeah. Give it, yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Yes, thank you, media team. Um, trying to put the word of God in front of us consistently. And uh, these books, this time, we, we did something a little different. They have small group discussion questions in them. And so if your group is gonna be an Ephesians group, it's got leaders, it's got the questions in there for you uh, that, that can help out that a ton. And um, I know that Ephesians is gonna be so applicable to our day. It's really talking about how, the, how Christ has brought unity among different types of people. Is that message needed in today's time? Yes, how Christ, he's the centerpiece and he brings unity to different people. And so Ephesians is one we're going through and I'm super excited about it. Yeah, I'm excited about that too. That's what my group's gonna do. We have another option for you here though that I think is gonna be really good. It's a spiritual practices study, a spiritual formation study. Um, It's not a study of this book, but this is the book that'll be guiding us. It's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And this is gonna be a study about what are some day in, day out, week to week things, some rhythms that you can build into your life to do the things the writer to the Hebrews is encouraging us to do, to draw near to the Lord, to walk with him more closely. And so when you go to sign up for a group, you'll see this as one of your options. And if that sounds like a need for you, if that sounds like something that would, would help you grow in your Christian walk, I would encourage you, just choose spiritual practices um, from the curriculum options. And this book is available uh, at the info booth for sale as well, or you can buy it on your own if you'd rather, or maybe you're a Kindle person, but... Um, The spiritual practices uh, study is gonna be a super practical way to reorient our lives around Christ and to make him central. Uh, Dave, we've also got a marriage study. Yeah, Uh, one other thing on that book. I read that uh, a year ago and I was like, this dude's literally talking to me right now. And so uh, that book is amazing. Um, yeah, Divine Portrait. This is gonna be our, our marriage study. Mark Schatzman, he's our congregational leader up at Bentonville. And I, was it three or four years ago when he did the marriage mm-hmm. conference here? Yeah. He did a marriage conference here and um, he walked through basically this curriculum. And I know that it is, uh, it's designed to help us understand marriage from a biblical perspective. And it's gonna give really good questions. It's gonna challenge the men, the women, a lot of things. And so if, if that's something that you're interested in, uh, I think the curriculum topic is just marriage too whenever you uh, select. And so that's right. I've only heard incredible things about this. Yeah, Lee and I uh, have been through that curriculum and it's really good. It gives you a great theological view of marriage, but then it tells you how that results in how you actually do marriage. And so it's a big picture with practical application study. I, I recommend it. And then lastly, we've got four good options for you plus discover. The other one is Christ-centered parenting. This will be the first time we've actually used this curriculum at Fellowship, but we're really excited about it. It's written by Russell Moore. He's one of my favorites. Um, it's gospel conversations on complex cultural issues. And so what uh, Russell Moore and his co-writer, Philip Bethencourt, are gonna do is is give us a a theology of parenting. What does the Bible say about child rearing? But then they're gonna go to difficult topics like 
sexuality, like uh, how to use the internet responsibly, um, like uh, how do you deal with, with relationships with other kids, with bullies. And one of the things I like about it is each lesson has applications for preschoolers, for school-age kids, for teenagers. So whatever season of life you're in, um, this book should, should help give you some good answers. This is another one that'll start with three large groups, and I'm excited about those because you're gonna get to hear from uh, seasoned parents who've launched their kids, as well as from some licensed counselors who are experts in how to handle some behavioral things. And so those will also start on September 11th on Sunday evening. They'll be in the FSM room. If you sign up for that small group, you'll get all the details on that. There'll be eight small groups for a total of 11 weeks in that study as well. So there's some good options for you. My prayer going into this morning was that everyone who hears this in the room, online, maybe later listen to the podcast will say, one of those four things I need that, or my wife and I need that, my family needs that, my, my roommates and I need that, that one of those is gonna be something the Holy Spirit will say, this is where you should spend your fall focusing in the context of Christ-centered community. And so, this morning, if you've got your phone, you can hit that QR code, it'll take you straight to the sign-up form. You may not see the curricula right off the bat, that's because when you choose Fayetteville as your region and as your congregation, then it'll drop down and give you the choices. And so they're different at different campuses is why it's set up that way. So you can hit that QR code. You can also go to the info booth. There'll be people there who'd love to talk to you, people in the community booth who'd love to talk to you and help you get plugged into a small group. If you already know where you're gonna be in community, you don't have to do any of those things. Your leader will communicate with you or you can give them a shout. But if you're trying to figure it out, that's what we're here for. We wanna help you get connected in a place where you can belong, you can grow, you can serve, and I wanna remind you why. It's so that we can draw near. It's so that we can hold fast to the gospel message. It's so that we can consider how to challenge, serve, gather, encourage each other, and to do all that with some urgency. Listen to what the writer to the Hebrews says just a few chapters later in the book of Hebrews. I'm gonna close the teaching time with this because it changes everything. Listen, now, may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip y'all, right? The plural you, equip y'all with everything good that y'all may do his will working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.